Welcome to Stepping Out, a reality radio show where you'll hear real people sharing their true stories of what it was like to go over the edge and find their way back. And now, Stepping Out. Welcome to Stepping Out Radio, where every week you hear two stories of people that have overcome adversity, whether it be from substance abuse, addiction, um, depression, PTSD, any kind of, um, really any kind of emotional or problems people are dealing with. But the good news is they heal and they come out on the other side. And I have someone here today that I'm so excited to speak with because, boy, has he had a story, and boy, has he turned it around. Um, He's one of the most prolific actors in Hollywood, if not the most prolific. He's a producer, a restaurateur, and most importantly, he uh, what brings him the most satisfaction is he's the devoted father of three and an intervention counselor. And I'd like to welcome to Stepping Out Radio the infamous Danny Trejo. Welcome to Stepping Out Radio. <laughs> stepping Out. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're Stepping Out. And um, anyway, we usually begin at the beginning of the show. And what was your beginning, if you could start maybe even at your ch- with your childhood? Because I know you grappled with addiction issues as well. I had, a, I had an uncle that uh, was my mentor. I adore him. His name was Gilbert. And, uh, and you know, he started smoking weed when he was about 14. And at the time, I was about eight. So, you know, when you start smoking weed, you just kind of turn things on. You, you get the cat loaded or the bird loaded or... Or your little, your little nephew loaded, you know. So, right. so he just got he got me loaded on weed. I was about eight years old, and I think that was the uh, that was the beginning, you know. And uh, and I just followed in his footsteps. He was a uh, you know drug addict, armed robber, and uh, and he was my mentor. Now, when you first started smoking, did did you like it? Did you like what it did for I'm, you? <laughs> you know what? Stupid question. If you think cartoons are funny when you're like 15 and 16, try cartoons on weed when you're eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have seizures. Yeah, so, and okay. So it's like, but you know, I mean, I, it's not, I, I just say, we knew no better. You know what I mean? It's sure. like, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that was good at all. And, and he didn't know what he was doing, you know, and, and, and neither did I. You know, I just knew that it made me. Uh, feel different. Whatever, whatever things were going on in my life, it sure changed them. Now, what um, did your parents? Were they aware of it? Uh, you know, uh, I was living with my grandmother at the time. Okay. And uh, I was living with my grandmother at the time, and uh, uh, I was kind of like you know at running with my uncle, so it was. Kind of a little, you know, my grandmother was old, you know, so it was a little different story. Right. And how did it progress for you, Danny? Like, did you start doing more hardcore drugs? Did you? uh, I did. I did. I smoked a lot of marijuana. And then then my uncle, uh, he changed. He started using heroin. And and I went out about 12. And so one day I caught him, you know, and uh, I said, give me some. You know, and he said, no, 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 Danny Boy. And he said, call me Danny Boy. <laughs> no, Danny Boy, no. And I, I said, give me some of the hotel. So, <laughs> so I, I, was, I snitched my way into addiction. You know? And how old were you at this point? You were still young, right? 12. I was 12. 
So did it manifest in a full-blown addiction as, as time went on? I, well, I mean, you know what? At the time, first of all, at the time, it was, uh, you got sent to the gas chamber for furnishing a minor with drugs, so it was real hard for for uh, me to get loaded. So, you know, I started drinking. But Yeah, I was going to say it would be hard to even get it at your age, right? Yeah. When my uncle, well, my uncle was dealing, so I always get it, you know, but, but uh, when my uncle would need to score and he couldn't, he would send me to the connection, and I'd knock on the connection's door, and the connection would just freak out because, again, that's the gas chamber, so he would, like, you know, turn us on to some dope. Wow. <laughs> he did it out there. Okay, so then you're still very young, and how did your life progress from there? Were you going to school? Were you, um, did you have friends? Yeah, I, was, I was going to Bacoima Junior High School. I was getting in a lot of trouble. Uh, I would much rather be hanging out with my uncle than going to school. I think addiction had manifested in my life, even without the drugs. You, you know what I mean? Sure. It's like I just wanted to be around. And so I did. And, and then uh, uh, when, uh, I have to say that my mom and dad, you know, Oh, old school. My dad's uh, job was to, you know, work hard and just you know, make sure everything's okay. Then come home and build a room on the house, you know. And, and uh, my mom's job was to keep that house, you know, and cook. You know? Keep it running, started, running the house. Yeah, right. you know, I remember my mom started to cook my dad's dinner at like two o'clock. <laughs> You know, yeah. it, it started, it was like a whole process, you know, so. And it probably so, was a great dinner, right, years ago? That's yeah, what it was yeah, like. You know, you know, and, and uh, you know, but, you know, nine times out of ten, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call him, you know. But, you know. Right. So, okay, so this, you'd rather be with your uncle. You wanted to not be in school. Did you graduate high school? Did you drop out? Did well, you... I, no, I graduated junior high. I, I started going to juvenile hall pretty early. And, you know, I, it's funny because I went to juvenile hall so many times. I thought Mexicans were supposed to go. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was like, when I went there, you look at the population of juvenile hall, it's like, you know, 70% Mexican, 30% black. I mean, it's unbelievable, but that's, that's just the way it is. It's made for young Latino youth. It's terrible. And, but anyway, uh, went, so you went there, um, and what did they do there? Like, did did you, you know, get slapped well, on the it, wrist? It becomes, it kind of becomes, uh, you know, there's two forms of education. There's uh, grammar school, junior high school, high school, and college. And and then there's juvenile hall, camp, youth authority, and prison. Mm, right. And they run side by side. It's like the kids that are having trouble in school usually end up in juvenile hall. And if they, if you know, something can pull them out of that, usually a good mentor, they, they you know, they, uh, you know, they can kind of stop that train. And if not, then. It's kind of like they just progress in that in that uh, educational system. Right. That's the one I progressed in. Right. So you you had to keep going there. Did so yeah. then, as the next well, fast forward a couple of years. What <laughs> happened? I, I, hold on. I didn't have to go there, but it's like you know the, the reality is is I 
chose to go there. Oh, okay. okay. You know, I could have, I, you know, I guess I could have, like, said, wait a minute, I got to really, uh, I got to really study these books and stuff. But, you know, I was started making poor choices at a young age and just continued. Right. So then did you ever, um, so you, so you got out of junior high school, though. You did, you did graduate from there. I, I graduated out of junior high school. It's funny because when I graduated out of junior high school, my uncle, my cousin Cora, my cousin Mary, and, and her husband Ponchi picked me up, and I was gone for like, I graduated on a Friday. I came back. My dad finally passed out in front of my, my uncle's house. On a Wednesday, you know, it's like wow. wasted, just gone. So and then they kind of took me home. And so, so you took and the I, celebration and party. <laughs> yeah, we drank sake. <laughs> all, <laughs> and, you can uh, still remember it, right? All, it was a celebration. You know, so. um, speaking with the actor and restaurateur and producer, uh, Danny Trejo. So, Danny, when we last left, you had got <laughs> out of junior high school. You had a big party with sake. And then what happened? Did you go to work? Did you just continue well, I, to hang I out? Of, I, well, I kind of like my dad. We kind of had a long talk about, hey, you know. But, you know, this was a different era. You know, my, sure. dad, my dad's dream was for me to, uh, you know, graduate and, and, you know, go to work with him, you know, construction. You mm-hmm. know, my dad believed that hard work is, you know, is the is the key to success, which it is, but, you know, I mean, really, now it's like we have to learn how to work smart, you know, not just work hard, you know. Sure. And uh, and so, you know, I started high school. I went to polytechnic high school. I got in a lot of trouble. I went to five high schools in the 10th grade. So my uncle had showed me how to box when I was uh, like eight, nine, ten years old. We used to box, and so I could really fight. And then, so... Different neighborhoods wanted me in because I could fight, and mm-hmm. and so I, like I was always fighting, and I'd get kicked out. I went to, I started out Poly, North Hollywood, San Fernando, Monroe, and Van Nuys. Those were high schools I went to, and then I went back to Poly and got kicked out of there again for fighting, basically for fighting. Basically, yeah, fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and then um, I. Uh, I was getting in a lot of trouble. I went to juvenile hall, and I, I got arrested and went to a, a camp. And uh, after camp, I went to youth authority. I got out of camp, did some robberies with my uncle, mm-hmm. uh, and then went to youth authority for uh, sales of drugs, and then went to, got out of there, and then went to state prison. Ooh. How old were you when you went to state, I guess, 18? 20. 19, 20. So so you're still a kid, really. In today's world, you were a kid. So how long did you spend in there, and what was it like in prison? Well, the the good thing was that I was, you kind of say state-raised. You've been in the system, so you know the system. The hardest thing for somebody is when they go to the prison for the first time, Mm. and they haven't been kind of a, Educated, so they're just prey. There's two kinds of people in prison. There's predator and prey, and you know you got to decide every morning what you're going to be. And so, decide you're a predator. So that means you're willing to do whatever it takes to stay on. It's kind of like 
when you're on a pile of shit, you don't want to be in the middle. Oh wait, we can't. All right, we'll we'll edit that out. <laughs> oh, okay. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, Sorry. No, don't worry about it. A pile of bleep. We'll we'll bleep it out. Yeah, uh, that's okay. This this is tape, so don't worry. Uh, so you decided to be a predator. I, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. You had you had yeah. the strength. So, you uh, could fight. And the and so I started boxing. I was lightweight and welterweight champion of every institution I was in, and so so that that automatically makes you a celebrity kind of in in prison if you're if you're the champ, you know. So. So that was something that my uncle gave me, and uh, and so and, people uh, would come and watch you, like you just fought like in boxing matches at the prison itself. Or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time they had they had not, they took them out now. They don't have any more. They took out stuff like it was very prison has been going backwards. They took out the boxing. Mm-hmm. They took out the the weightlifting. They basically taken out everything that that distracts you from where you're at. Sure. And and I'm assuming, you know I mean? yeah, and you can um, also get a lot of your, you know... Aggression. Aggression, that's the right word. Aggression's yeah. out, and, sure. And prison, prison today, we have the worst prison system in the world, by the way. We have more people incarcerated than any place in the world. And also, uh, California does. And, and we are... Uh, we've taken away the rehabilitation part, and we've started on the... Uh, the um, criminalization of of drug addiction. Well, it, yeah, yeah, it's just criminal. It's just criminal. If you took out the non the non violent drug offenders, the prison population would drop by probably thirty percent. Yeah, it's sad. It's terrible. Yeah. It really and, is. And the, the awful part is, you know, it's like it's like we have a we're the only country in the world that calls our prison system a business. Hmm, that's interesting. You're right. Yeah, it goes. And it's so sad because if those people could get help, I mean, I know they're trying oh, to yeah. change it, but I'm sure it's slow. And You would be, let me tell you, you would be surprised how many people in prison have ADD or on the autism spectrum because you know, it's like me. Like you know, they, I remember when my son was was at school. He had gotten in trouble, and they were discussing ADD with the principal. Mm-hmm. And my son, my son, all of a sudden, hey, my dad had that. And <laughs> him and his mom started laughing because because I'm I'm you know, I didn't. My mom knew that there was something wrong because when we were in junior high school, you used to always iron your clothes. Mm-hmm. You always iron your clothes before school, and I would get—I I don't know how to say it. I would—I would start something, and then I wouldn't finish. I do something. I had like my mom found like eight pairs of pants with one leg iron. <laughs> she always reminds me that I would iron a leg, and then I'd go do something else, and that you know. Hey, I'm impressed you so, ironed. <laughs> <laughs> That's know, pretty impressive. Oh, yes. I mean, no, I mean, you know it's so funny. People always say, like, like uh, uh, when the Mexicans show up in school, they all have their, we all have our, our pants pressed and everything, and 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 we always, what that's what you did. You did that in the morning. Everybody, you know, we always, all our guys showed up with nice pressed clothes when you do that in the morning. That's very funny. That's great. So, how long were you in prison for? The last time I was there for. Oh, about five years. Oh, gosh. The, that was the one that kind of like did the change. I was there was some incidents happened while I was in prison that 
that really kind of changed my life. How you many know, times all all together were you in? Well, twice. I was in the in the in the, the California Youth Authority, which is a baby prison. I mean, it's that's all. It's, I mean, it's so funny. Everybody you see in the California Youth Authority, you see in prison. Wow. It is basically the same thing. So we were in Tracy and YTS, and then from there went to Quentin Folsom Soledad. Wow. And so we're going to talk about when we get back. You're listening to Stepping Out. I'm talking to Danny Trejo. And if you want to check Danny Trejo out about all his movies, his restaurant, uh, restaurants, his, um, gosh, his uh, work as an intervention counselor, go to his website. It's www.dannytrejo.net. And it's D-A-N-N-Y-T-R-E-J-O. Dot net and um, he loved being bad guys in the movies and I'm going to ask you why you love that you're listening to Stepping Out Radio where every week we talk to people uh, who have overcome insurmountable uh, impediments in their way and oftentimes when you hear their story you realize wow you know you can almost you can not almost you can see how this you know can happen to people but. The miracle is they do change. And if you'd like to check out our website for all these stories and more from everybody from all walks of life, uh, go to www.steppinoutradio, S-T-E-P-P-I-N-O-U-T, radio, and sign up for our free newsletter. Uh, check us out. Uh, like I said, we have a new mobile app. I think I, I don't know if I said that in the beginning, but we have a great mobile app now. We're 24-7. You can hear stories. So if it's late at night and you're feeling... Like you need to hear, you know, positive talks like Danny's, you can listen to it. And I have with me, we've been speaking with Danny Trejo, one of the most or the most prolific actor in Hollywood, a producer, a restaurateur, uh, and also a dad of three, a devoted dad of three, and an intervention counselor. And we're going to talk about what we have been talking about, you know, all the things that happened to you. So last we left, you said that. You, the last time you were in jail, it was five years, and something changed in you to turn your life around. What was yeah. that? Well, I, I went to prison in 1965, and uh, I was just insane. I was just going crazy. I was involved in everything bad in prison and some good things. We, uh, me and a guy named Tyrone Rye and, and a couple other guys, we had a, we had developed this um, this uh, protection uh, racket and and it would it would uh it would basically new kids that came in you know we would uh charge them money to protect them basically and they, otherwise they'd get hurt you know because like I said there's two kinds of people in prison there's predators there's prey and uh mm. so basically you know we did pretty well there but you know using drugs and, and running crazy uh, uh in so, 1968, Cinco de Mayo. 1968, Cinco. Mexico. It's really funny. People think Cinco de Mayo means fifth of May, but if you're a real Mexican, it means you better get bail money. You know, because, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, it's it's not funny, but it is stupid. People, that's what? a bad day. It's like St. Patrick's Day for Irish people, I guess. You mean, right? Yeah, right. You know, you're gonna do which was yeah. Stupid. That's the day <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, Cinco de Mayo, 1968, were involved in a, Me, Ray Pacheco, Henry Quijada were involved in a prison riot, and uh, it got bad. And Ray, 
Andre Soccer Free Person. It was alleged Henry ruptured a coach. It was alleged I threw a rock and it hit a lieutenant. And uh, it was pronounced three of those were gas chamber offenses. And I remember going to the hole. We were sitting in the hole, and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. They're burning me, you know. And, uh, and uh, mm. I kind of thought that everything, if there was anything good about me, if there was anything, any kind of a, a cool hip, it all got me right here. You know, like really stupid. It felt like for the first time in my life, I think, even if I felt like a loser, mm-hmm. you know, I could always kind of lie to myself and say that I was okay and they're, they're wrong. But this time it was like, no, you're the loser, buddy. And so I asked, God, please let me die with dignity. Mm. <clears throat> and he does, I'll say his name every day. And I will do whatever I can to help myself. In reality, I thought it was only going to be a couple of years, and then they were going to kill me. But, but it's like he fooled me. And, and so I've been saying his name and doing whatever I can for my fellow man for the past 47 years. Wow. And so, okay, so that's incredible. And how old were you when you said, well, 47 years, yeah, so you must have been so young. Um, So then you, so I'm guessing somehow you lucked out and got released from prison. They released me August 23rd, 1969. And uh, uh, I, uh, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been saying his name every day. Hold on, my, my, my best friend just came. Did you bring your couch? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're listening to Stepping Out Danny Trejo. He's so funny. Um, he's talking about how life changed for him. Yeah, and so that's when I came out, so I started doing. I started helping people in my mom's neighborhood. I didn't know what to do. You understand? You have to understand. I was the kind of person that if you were on fire, I wouldn't piss on you. I, I just didn't care unless you owed me money. Right. And I was a real uncaring person. I had to learn how to be sharing, caring, and kind. And I got to say, that's what the program of AA has taught me. That's what the program of Narcotics Anonymous has taught me. It's taught me how to be sharing, caring, and kind. And I like uh, that. So when you came out, you didn't do drugs or drink anymore? Or... No, no, no. I, I, I quit doing drugs when I went to the hole in 1968. Wow. And, uh, and when you and, came uh, out, was it hard? Like, I know in the hole you can't yeah, well, drink. You know but... what the thing is? In prison, the hardest time to stay clean was in prison because I had a reputation of being you know, no holes barred, crazy, one way, this is what I do, my life is here. And that's what I realized, that I was going to spend the rest of my life in prison if I didn't change, if I didn't take drugs and alcohol out of my life. Um, this is it. So you had that epiphany, right. and you stuck with it. You say the name every day. And every um, day. you started doing good deeds in your mom's neighborhood. But, okay, you know what? fast so forward I'm, to how you became this famous actor and and what happened. I was doing extra work. I was being an extra, and I, I, I met this kid. I met this kid in Cocaine's Anonymous, and he asked me for my phone number. Mm-hmm. And then... He found out this kid was a PA on a movie called Runaway Train. And he was trying to stay clean. And I started talking to him. And we just, you know, from then on, it's like I I went to this movie set of Runaway Train. And I 
mind named Eddie Bunker that I was in prison with. He's a writer, prolific writer. If you ever want to read a great criminal novel, pick up Education of a Felon. And, uh, and, uh, Eddie was, uh, he, he was, he had adapted the screenplay to Runaway Train. And he asked me, I was still boxing. Huh. And I said, I'm trained. I trained. So I started training Eric Roberts how to box for the movie Runaway Train. Wow. And so then you started, and you had no acting experience, I'm guessing. Did you start no, taking, no, um, uh, did you start? No, and I'd never been on a movie. And it's funny because, uh, uh, Andre Kozlowski, the director, was the one that said, "Okay, make him sag," because he wanted me to fight Eric in the movie. Oh wow! So did you? Then did you? That this story is like amazing and a miracle. Then did you um, start taking acting lessons? Did you? Did no, you get? I've did you get the bug? You know, let me tell you something. All we kept doing. Hello. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. All we kept doing. I just kept going from movie to movie. It's like. The stunt coordinator, because they made me say, because they asked me if I wanted to play a convict. I go, sure. And so I'm, then I, I started boxing. Then the stunt coordinator saw that I could follow directions, so he said he was doing a movie. The first five years of my career, I played inmate number one. I, was, I didn't, I, you know, inmate number one, bad right. guy number one. Uh, killer number one, you know, a tattoo guy number one. And I thought I had a great career. I thought I was an actor. And then somebody interviewed me and said, Danny, don't you feel you'll be a typecast? I just, as what? <laughs> well, you're always playing the mean Chicano dude with tattoos. And I said, well, I am the mean Chicano dude with tattoos. <laughs> so I'm pretty good. And I had, I had read a quote from you that said, you like playing bad guys because bad guys in movies die. always die. They die. That's it. And it's, a, it's the best message I could ever give. And, and so, you know, it's like the bad guy always dies. The bad guy always goes to prison. And and, and, uh, and you like that message, too, because you tell people yeah, that you counsel that bad guys always die. Well, we could yeah. talk to you forever, but I just also want to get out that not only have you been in all these movies and produced, now you're embarking on a new career as a restaurateur. Do you want to talk a yeah. little bit about that? Well, we're doing Trails Tacos, and it's right on La Brea between Pico and Olympic, and it is... Uh, you know, right now it's open. It's going to be open from, you know, till we close. <laughs> uh, and right I think you should open up more of them because it's vegetarian, which is huge now. Well, there's there's everything. When you're in the movie business, sometimes five or six of you go to eat at the same time. And inevitably, somebody's going to say, well, I'm a vegetarian or, you know, I don't eat meat. And, uh, you know, I have to be gluten-free. So we put everything. We have pineapple We have... Uh, brisket we have all the good meats but we still we're vegan friendly which is you great know, we're, you know we're gluten free you know we even they gave me a taco i ate it was delicious it was a tofu taco uh-huh yeah no I, they, people are loving it well good luck with that um thank i just you. want to thank you so much for coming on this show i know you've helped a lot of people and listen if danny trejo can do it after you've just right. heard his story just about Anybody out there can do it. And, uh, yeah, do it. 
And I love that you said that name for 47 years. Um, yeah, every morning. <laughs> and that, yeah, and that you go to 12-step, which that's all we're trying to yeah. say on this show is just to everybody, just try it. You know, try all the ways yeah. that you can get help. There isn't just one way either. And if you go yeah. to a 12-step meeting that isn't your thing, we've heard people say that, go to another one yeah. because sometimes, well, you know. All kinds. That's it. Exactly. That's it. So I want to give out uh, Danny's um website again for all you fans www.dannytrejo.net danny t-r-e-j-o.net thank you so much continue good luck you're a source of inspiration to everybody um i'm denise thank you. i'm denise Net- go ahead i'm sorry Thank you guys for everything you do. Yes, and um, we're going to put on our website Stepping Out Radio about the movie. Thanks, and we'll see you next. And we'll see you next time. Bye.